Welcome to Scottish Farm Advisory Service Podcast. You can find out more about FARS on our website, www.fars.scot, or if you need advice, then call our helpline on 0300 323 0161. If you're burning properly, at the right times of year, you're doing almost zero impact on the environment. That's, and all the impacts you are doing are beneficial. Because you're allowing that danger of a massive, more uh, unregulated wildfire at a time of year which will do damage, you're, you're stopping that. Wildfires in Skye have been controversial. This podcast highlights the work crofters in the south end of Skye have been doing to reduce the risk. My name is Alistair Culbertson. I'm a crofter in Ferndonald and Slate in the south end of Isle of Skye. I have been involved in common grazings management for 40 plus years. I am currently the chair of the Slate General Grazings Committee, which uh, represents the interests of seven other townships here and also is associated with another three. So we're really discussing the 10 townships in the south end of Skye that I am involved in as chair of the general committee. Uh, On the muir burning and the moorland management aspects of muir burning, uh, our committee has as this sort of uh, coordinator for seven of those townships on moorland on moor burning and moorland management uh, moorland moor burning here is a v- important resource for the livestock management that we carry out here it's been under pressure for a number of years uh, it's been much more difficult to carry out a muir burning that is compliant with the rules and regulations, particularly from geeks and the implementation of those rules through the muir burning code has meant that we have found a build-up of the more rank vegetation which probably wouldn't have been there 30-40 years ago so it's with the abandonment of large areas of land round about us and the increase of forestry woodland enclosures round about us the risks of uncontrolled fires has obviously increased as I think it would be the case across the whole of the Crofton counties to be honest there'll be very few places where it's as safe to light as a fire, fire as it used to be so for a considerable for for a period of probably 10 years uh, we have been paying much more attention to muir burning here because of the risks to the payments of our active crofters uh, if there was any breach of geeks and the muir burning code so for a period from about uh, what year is this 18 from about the 20s from about 2000 to about 2010, we probably had a policy of not muir burning. Uh, we had 
probably no formal muir burning on the general or the townships here because we found, felt the risks of penalty at that time were too high. But then recently, it's become clear that you can't not muir burn because the risks of wildfire increase. Just they, they're increasing all around us. We can see that every spring. The, ris the, the, the risks of unregulated wildfire, not controlled burning, uh, are a danger to the whole country, to be honest, never mind us here in Slate. You can see that from some of these huge fires in England as well as in Scotland, where it's quite clear that the build-up of rank vegetation, whether that be heather, bracken or just grass, is a threat. Alistair and his fellow grazing clerks engaged with the consultation on the Moorburn Code in 2017. They attended a meeting organised by Scotland's Moorland Forum. At that we met uh, an extremely efficient fellow, uh, Michael Bruce of Firebrick Services, who gave us a very detailed uh, expose that day on moor burning and on the methods, the safest methods and the, and the equipment required. So an upshot of that was, because we knew we needed to, content, to carry out more controlled bur moor burning than we had been, the committee, as a grazing committee, the general committee, invested on behalf of the seven townships in the most up-to-date fire management machinery, which was new beaters, uh, but also very efficient water sprayers and a high-powered leaf blower, which are all, were all things that were demonstrated to us on that that day, which were, showed real value. So the committee has now in place sufficient fire management tools. Alistair now explains how their new system with their new equipment is working. Since then, well, that'll be three years ago now, we have been carrying out muir burning on some of the most rank areas of our vegetation. Uh, these are decisions that are made by those actively grazing. The, 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 the management decisions are taken by the, the graziers on the, the areas who know the area best and who know where the burning will be of most value. And these are taken in discussion between the main the, the, the committee members on the general to carry that out. And that small group, because it doesn't, you don't need a huge group of people to carry out muir burning if you have it sufficiently thought through. So that small group carries out the muir burning on the general and on several of the townships here. But we are burning larger areas than really would be compliant for burning on the east coast. But we take the view that we're burning for grazing and that it's better to have burnt 5% of rank, rank heather in one bit than it is to have burnt none. The biggest fire we had last year, it was actually last burnt, that area we were looking back at it, it was actually last burnt during the wildfire of 1954. So it gives you an idea the level of burning. It's not an everyday occurrence that huge areas are burnt, but that fire in 1954 from historically 
burnt in slate for nine days. So uh, it shows you that wildfires are not a new scenario, but we do have to be managing them. Our position is that we make use of the all the assets that we can get, which are basically the right tools, the right staff, but the most important is the right weather conditions. And we find that the fire risk assessments, the wildfire risk assessments that we receive through Firebreak Services uh, and also through the Association of Deer Management Groups who circulate it, uh, that gives you a very detailed warning of extreme fire risk in the area. You can find out more information about the fire risk warning assessments on the FAS website. Alistair explains how they have implemented these in their planning. Allows our clerk to circulate it to all the members here who would be engaged in burning to ensure that there's nobody's actually burning in a high risk period of time. Now that's a, an important an important thing that we've found because you don't always actually know on the ground how what, if it's as dangerous as you think it is. <laughs> uh, and the days that uh, last spring when there was the large fires in the north end of Sky, the beast, the period of the beast from the east, when you tell people that there was fires when most of the country was buried under snow, the warnings for Sky those days were absolutely explicit that there was an extremely high fire risk in Sky, and we had circulated those warnings in, in slate. Luckily, we had no fires, but. We take the view that it gives the committee the security of saying we have done everything we can to ensure that we as a committee do not have have warned people that there is a risk. If there's a fire, at least we can say we've done our best to warn people they shouldn't have been lighting it. Common grazings often have to contend with wildfires started accidentally by neighbours. Somebody lighting a bonfire on their croft, which happened twice here last year, uh, independently, two on one croft there was two incidences where fires were lit on the croft by a non-shareholder, and the fires crossed onto the common grazings, and on one occasion missed a million-pound water treatment plant by twenty meters. Those fires were not; those are what we would call wildfires, unregulated, uncontrolled, and they're the biggest danger. It's not the regulated muir burning by competent grazing committees. It's the accidental somebody's burning cardboard boxes on the croft and the rushes catch fire. And the next thing you know, there's a fire all the way to Tarskowig. Uh, it's that that we have to be looking at. Alistair explains how he feels regulated muir burn is part of the solution in reducing the risk of wildfires. And one of the major tools in stopping the spread of these wildfires is, in my view, and in the view of our committee, properly controlled, regulated burning to ensure that there are sufficient fire breaks within an area to stop these fires spreading. Now, there are... There's a huge question about the woodland enclosures and the management of those woodland enclosures and the failure of... A lot of these woodland enclosure schemes to carry out any form of fire break management around or within their forestry blocks. 
uh, that's an issue where if a crofter sets fire to the hill and burns a woodland and the woodland has done nothing to prevent the fire reaching the woodland I question whose fault the wood burning actually is because the, it's all very well putting onus on people to avoid burning trees but those benefiting financially from the trees should have an onus put on them to manage their woodland property in a manner that protects it from fire. Now that again is not just a crofting specific thing that's a nationwide thing. The fire risk warnings come out with the Moorburn season. Why is this useful? The fire warnings come uh, whenever there is a period of risk. Uh, June, July, there was warnings uh, for fire risk here in in June. Uh, So you have that. Though you're not muir burning then, you're aware that there is a risk and that's circulated to the committee just that they're aware because there's not, as I say, there is nothing you can do about the tourists burning something, which is, I believe, one of the fires in the North End was tourists. You can do nothing about somebody deciding that they're going to completely ignore the rules and set fire to their garden, which has happened. And, uh, you know, or uh, I mean, the big fire at Kintail a couple of years ago, that was somebody burning boxes in their garden. You know, there's you can't deal with that, but at least if you're aware that there is a risk, if you see smoke, you know there's a risk. But I think it's important that uh, grazing committees take advantage of what is there, the technology and the advice that is there. What happens in the lead-up to a Moorburn? Basically, the the most important livestock manager in the place decides we're going to have a fire. The clerk then notifies, as complies with the with the the code you phone. The estate's been notified because you have to notify the estate. Oh, so they have a blanket notification that we will be burning, and that's fine by them. They don't have an issue with that. The then you notify the police, and the, the there's a phone number which I don't remember off the top of my head, but our clerk has, where you phone. And you tell them you're going to have a muir burning and you tell them when you're finished. And that's, it's, I can't remember the phone number off the top of my head, but there is one, which allows the fire services and the police to be informed. It's important that people are trained or have experience of muir burn. In Slate, they have a lot of experienced crofters, but as ever, the weather conditions are critical. It's mostly guys that have been doing it for their entire careers. So they know what they're doing and uh, we, they know, we know the risks we know where the forestry blocks are we know where the telecom masts are we know you know where the, where the water treatment plants are so basically it's, but it's so it's so weather dependent and time dependent this job that you, it's you know you've got to get all your ducks in a row to have everybody to, but you only need I mean People need to understand you only need three or four competent, and if it's not particularly windy, two competent individuals to muir burn. Yeah. You know, two is two can control a fire. Yeah. If you if you're burning in the appropriate weather conditions, which is not high wind. When fires go wrong, is when the wind gets up, and if you're burning in wind conditions that are not suitable, it wouldn't matter how many people you had there. <laughs> It wouldn't matter if there was a thousand folk there; you wouldn't stop it. So really, we don't. You don't need if you're if you're 
dealing with it properly and you're burning in the right weather conditions with the right equipment and the right knowledge and understanding of where you're burning, two's, I mean, two's plenty. Four is ideal. The moor burn season is from the 1st of October to the 15th of April. It may be best to consider burning fire breaks earlier in the season if weather conditions permit. Historically, there's never been a lot of planning. <laughs> uh, but you have, if you want to be able to stand up at a, a, a cross compliance inspection and say you've complied with these rules that the minimum is you need to have fire beaters and you need to phone the fire brigade and you need to have at least phone contact with guys who can come within 20 minutes to assist you you need to have these things in place there's no point lighting the fire and then wondering where everybody is and discovering that Inverness shopping the Scottish Farming Advisory Service provides a telephone advice line which you can call for free advice. The number is 0300 323 Visit the FAS website at www.fas.scot to find out about free events near you.